0: First and foremost, we have to be able to have a baseline to measure productivity, right? What I am uh, having a hard time doing is quantifying that right now. And I think that is a net we're going to crack here soon um, with a, a lot of this process automation that we're putting in place by using LLMs and AI.
1: Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go. The show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to Status Go. I'm your host, Jeff Tund. Before we get into our episode today, I have a favor to ask. If you enjoy the Status Go podcast, whether you are a frequent listener or this is your first time joining us, tell a friend. Send them a link or post on social media. Let others know about us. We appreciate it. Now, as they say, on with the show. One of the things that I love about hosting this podcast is the discussions we have about emerging trends. We usually do an episode or two at the beginning of the year to talk about the trends you should be keeping your eye on. One of those trends that always seem to be out there in the future someplace is AI. We've been talking about machine learning and AI for several years now, but always in that futuristic mindset, or maybe only for those companies with large data science budgets. But all that changed with the launch of ChatGPT and other generative AI models. It just exploded on the scene earlier this year. And now companies of all sizes are wrestling with, what did I do with it? How do I use it? What do we do? What what constraints do I put on my team? It's, It's a conundrum that many of us are facing. AI is such a game changer, and it's evolving so quickly that we're likely to be talking about it as an emerging trend for years to come. Today's guest is Jake Miller. Jake is the CEO of the Engineered Innovation Group. EIG's mission is to help organizations build new and meaningfully useful products and services. Jake is passionate about AI and its impact on innovation. I've had the opportunity to listen to him several times and host a panel that he sat on as well. And I guarantee you, you will walk away with insights and you will walk away energized by the possibility this technology can open up for you and your organization. Without further ado, Jake, welcome to Status Go.
0: Thank you so much, Jeff. I'm really excited to be here and for the conversation today.
1: Jake, I mean it sincerely. I have enjoyed every one of the conversations that we've had the opportunity to have over the last several months, including uh, sitting across the table at dinner at an Indiana CIO network event uh, where you were on the panel. Before we dive into this topic of AI and what what you're seeing and how you're using it. Can you share a little bit about your background, your career journey, uh, and uh, what led you to the founding of, of EIG?
0: Yeah, I would, I would love to share. So my background is um, pretty much in software engineering, though right before I became a software engineer, um, you know, I studied English in university. Um, oh, wow. I was, I was writing code um, and actually in high school. Um, surprisingly, I learned some COBOL. Hmm. Um, still relevant. <laughs> All right.
1: COBOL still yeah, alive uh, and well.
0: Yeah, apparently. Um, and I went to university. So I went to, to IU at the uh, at Indianapolis campus. And I said, you know, I want to, I'm having fun with the computer science program, the, the computer um, program here, but I kind of want to do something a little that will make me a little bit more well-rounded. Because I was already writing code. I was actually already making money from writing code as a, an independent consultant in the days of UHT. Yeah, okay. You could actually make, make pretty good money. Um, and I said, well, let's study English. So I did. And I found a love for linguistics, actually, ah. at the time. And so I really got deep into that. Um, and then you know, having a computer and a technology interest already, uh, natural language processing became something that was really fascinating to me. Yeah, Didn't do a whole lot with that, except put it in the back of my mind for the next 20 years. Um, so uh, I, I, uh, after graduating college, I continued writing code. Then about 10 years in, I started getting into engineering and product leadership. Um, so uh, I've worked for companies in the healthcare industry, like Indiana University Health. Um, I worked for Allison Transmissions as a contractor on some really cool projects, Then I went to a company called Exact Target that folks that are in Indianapolis are probably very aware of. um, And subsequently, we were purchased by Salesforce. I was director of engineering there for the marketing automation suite of products. Um, After that, I did a startup. I co-founded a startup uh, and served as CTO there. Um, And then after about four years, I said, you know, I'm I'm ready to go do my next thing. I am a creator at heart. Mm -hmm. Um, I still write code to this day, not as much as I would love to. Um, I still work with lots of startups. In fact, I'll talk about what EIG does here in a second. Um, but I wanted to do that on a daily basis. I want to take ideas and bring them to life. Not just, not just like bring an an idea to life and then stay with it for 20 years. I wanted to really just help people like bring, bring their visions into the world. Um, and so that's kind of how I got to where I am today. And I think you asked about, you know, how, how did EIG get started?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about that story and then uh, give a little bit more color as to what EIG does sure. for its clients.
0: Yeah. So uh, the Engineered Innovation Group, you can think of us as a software company. So I, I, we do software development for sure, but I don't like calling us a dev shop. I like calling us an innovation agency. And the reason is we don't just build software products. We build software organizations. So ah. we provide product design, product marketing. Um, Software engineering, of course, artificial intelligence and data science services, site reliability, quality assurance. Um, We will build out all the process, all the security compliance needs, including the product itself, um, and help our clients build their organization. And eventually, if if they typically are a VC-backed startup, they'll want us to peel off, keep their own people, but they have a fully functioning software. Now we do the same thing, a slightly different flavor for um, mid-sized businesses and enterprises. But that was the genesis of the company was, yeah. let's like, take the brain or the, the, the cognitive overhead that every founder faces when they're trying to build a software company, take it out of the mix. Everyone needs to be able to log in. Everyone needs to have security compliance and privacy. Uh, everyone needs infrastructure why are founders focusing on those things? Focus on your differentiated innovation. There's 10% yeah. of the thing out of all that that you really care about, and that's your domain of expertise. And I wanted people to be able to do that. So that's 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 what we do. Um, and it really came, the, the, the concept came out of my experience working with various startups, uh, specifically uh, when I was with MetaCX, High Alpha, mm-hmm. we were a Alpha portfolio company, uh, and I was working with other CTOs and founders, and I just saw the same mistakes being made over and over again. I also Mm -hmm. saw the timeline, and this is what I'm about to say is true for all venture studios. Uh, The timeline from an idea, getting a green light and an investment to finding a founder, a technical founder, building a product and getting something in hands um, and in market is a six to 12 month process. Why in the world is that not a three month process when 80% is rinse and repeat? Uh, for the most part, right? I'm generalizing. So um, that's where it came from. And uh, over the past two years, we've just added service by service until we were able to have that full suite to provide to clients.
1: And, and uh, for our for our listeners, uh, especially those around the Indianapolis area, uh, it seems like every other day I'm getting an update on LinkedIn that one of the area rock stars has joined EIG. <laughs> uh, you are building an amazing organization, Uh, So, uh, shout out to Karen and Hutch, Uh, I I know uh, they are on board with you folks, and uh, uh, I just can't wait to see what all you're doing. But let's let's dive into this. Uh, um, Let's do it. it, In the opening, I talked about AI as an emerging trend for years to come, and I actually stole that from you uh, when (laughs) we were talking a, a few days ago. What things are you seeing that lead you to that belief?
0: Yeah, so I actually like to look at a, a macro trend in, in technology to as like my, my, my backing data for this. The, the, the major one is in the amount of data that companies have been storing. So right? So the 90s were about, oh, we have our application database and now we need to get analytics from the application the data the, app, the, the data in an application outcome, data warehouses. Yeah, yep. people that are that managing those they still exist, of course. But then that goes that that moved on to oh wow now we have every person in our organization and all of our customers and all of our devices are producing information. We don't know what to do with it, but we're going to go store it in a data lake. And so you amass yep. all of this data. Then come the 2010s, and uh, neural networks really start getting the the light of day, and we start realizing wow there's data science that we can apply here. There's machine learning techniques that are starting to pop up their head, but we have all the ingredients now for this to really become, an, become uh, exponential. Uh, the, the technology uh, applications become exponential, meaning yeah. speech and audio, uh, like speech recognition, text-to-speech, emotion detection, the vision technologies for recognizing objects and people and faces, Generative AI, you know, the hot topic right now, yes, creating yes. text, summarizing documents, generating images, creating films, you know, all those things. And when you look at each of those subdomains of machine learning and artificial intelligence have matured to a point that now we can start connecting them. And yeah. when you start yeah. connecting them, for example, if we wanted to create a, a and, and you actually had talked about a podcast that you did where you were using a large language model to interview, yes. right? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. In, putting a person's face personifying that a digital human twin behind with, with that model behind it. Um, and that sophistication growing over time, imagine the possibilities we're going to be talking on our next podcast, Jeff, I hope, where we have one of my digital colleagues with
1: us. (laughs) Oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah. We'll do that. We'll do that.
0: That's, that's, that's where we're, we're, where we're going in in, and what I mean.
1: Well, in in. your your excitement about this comes through. And, and I know a large part of this ties back to your background in the linguistics and to these large language models and natural language processing. It is all coming together. One of the things that, that I have found in our conversations, Jake, is that you are actually using AI at EIG. Uh, not only are you helping your customers explore it, but you're using it. How have you brought this in as a tool to leverage for the work that you do?
0: Yeah, I love this question because we're we're, we're finally getting to a point where we're starting to see traction. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and some of these won't be a surprise to people, um, but one of them might be. So first we started just experimenting like every other company on the planet, right? Like yeah, yeah. large language models, what, what can we do with it? We're keeping privacy in, in mind. Uh, You know, especially being an agency, if we're working with clients, and we're having uh, data or code from them, we don't put that into a a large language model, at least not without permission. Right. So we're using it in ways like uh, co-pilot, so code generation, code assisting, that sort of thing. Not a surprise, um, probably at all. We are using it to help generate uh, marketing concepts, so not actually building marketing, but mm-hmm. uh, more as a sounding board, and I've actually found personally this is something that's been very helpful to me. And actually, I've had a couple engineers when I I, I pulled the whole company on like, "Hey, how are you personally using LLMs in your day to day work that we may not know?" And yeah, two individuals yeah. said the same thing that I I had been doing. I use it as a sounding board. I have an idea, I throw it out there, and it kind of throws back some other ideas, and I go, "Oh, I wouldn't have thought about that." No, so it's like a companion. Yeah pretty cool. I think a lot of people are doing that. The other, I think, is where we start seeing more sophistication and and true application coming to light. And we are starting to use LLMs with a couple of our our internal projects as a pilot to take information of people communicating in Jira Mm -hmm. and all the information about the code, all the information about requirements, acceptance criteria, what's working, who's doing what, what's the status of things. So you can say uh, or, or I could say in the morning, hey, LLM, what is Joe doing um, or what has Joe done last week on yeah. such and such in the project? And it can summarize it for me, like being able to consolidate real world information quickly um, mm-hmm. is is hugely valuable to anyone, really, but especially very busy yeah. executives.
1: Well, and, and one of the comments that you made is, uh, I, I, you said this a couple of times actually. Just like everybody is doing, I think you're 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 selling yourself a little short. I think you are leading uh, the charge on some of this, Jake. Because uh, I've talked at, at least in the in the corporate technology world, not necessarily in the uh, product ser- uh, uh technology product technology service world. Uh, in the corporate technology world, I think there they're taking a a little bit slower approach. So I think the lessons that you uh, are getting from this are going to be helpful uh, across the board. Now, I'm going to pause right there. We're going to listen to an ad from InterVision Systems. As our listeners know, InterVision is the publisher of the Status Go podcast. Unlock the power of more with InterVision Systems. We provide the cutting-edge technology and expert guidance you need to take your business to the next level. Don't settle for less. Choose InterVision Systems and discover what's possible. Contact us now to learn more. And if you want to learn more, visit intervision.com. Today we're talking with Jake Miller of EIG, and we're talking about this emerging trend this exploding trend of AI uh, and how Jake and others at EIG are using it to uh, advance their work and advance their clients work now I I heard you speak I think this was the panel that I that I moderated Jake so a couple of weeks ago uh, you mentioned productivity gains from your development staff from your engineering staff and uh, before break, you mentioned that, that you're using Copilot. So what kind of productivity gains are you seeing, uh, first of all, and then we'll dive a little bit deeper into that.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you asked this question because it's something that I'm very passionate about. What are the ways that uh, we can, we, first and foremost, we have to be able to have a baseline to measure productivity right? And as a new agency, this is something that we've continued to work on. And I was actually talking to um, actually Susan or the IBJ the other day about this exact topic. And she asked me the same question. I said, well, you know, (laughs) it turns out getting my baseline has been a little bit more challenging than I thought. Um, So that doesn't mean we're not going after it, but we are. So the numbers I've I've been saying, I want to see a 30% productivity increase in my organization, over the next year, leveraging AI. And that is still a true statement. What I am uh, having a hard time doing is quantifying that right now. And Ah, I think that is a nut we're going to crack here soon um, with a a lot of this process automation that we're putting in place by using LLMs and AI, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the things I actually just just talked about, like summarization, auto-creation of acceptance criteria, that sort of stuff, right? Um, It's kind of hard to quantify. Frankly. Yeah. Right. Uh, how do you you know? It's kind of a a, a, a qualitative measurement, but um, I can give you categories of things that we're we're, we're using that yeah, I am yeah. seeing. You know, like uh, uh, anecdotal evidence that we are improving. So the first is Copilot itself, right? Mm-hmm. The ability for us to um, increase individual productivity. Um, we are seeing categories of uh, in uh, like just communication, specifically, I was just talking about like JIRA. So, summarization. Um, I have, we have now automations in place that are doing things like checking if someone's entered a ticket for work and the description, it's not just checking does this description exist, it's saying is it quality? So, we're able to take huh. that information from that ticket and say, let's go ask it to be summarized by an LLM mm-hmm. and use a rubric to see is it a quality input or not. And yeah. if not, we're going to publicly shame that person. Now, just kidding. We're going to notify someone that there is a ticket put into a work status that really is not intelligible. At least flag it. Again, it's right. an experiment, but yeah. um I've already noticed it increasing quality of the work we're doing. Yeah. So yeah. um so that's another bucket. Um and I would also say just things like writing copy. Not gonna lie. I think yeah you you know um Getting at least getting um, frameworks in place for presentations mm-hmm. and such, it's been very very helpful oh, on, yeah. on that front.
1: Yeah, I, I I use it for the podcast. I, I use a tool yeah. called Cast Magic, and what that what that platform does is uh, you know it puts a it puts a, a UI on the front of I think Chat GPT on the back end, um, but it ingests the audio from the podcast and it creates marketing collateral. I mean, it's not finished Uh, product, right? But it's, it's, uh, it'll go through and and you'll see the result of this when I send it to you uh, later, Jake, is it will go through our discussion today and it will highlight quotes from you uh, that it felt were important for our conversation uh, that you can then use in marketing. And it does a bunch of other things, but saves four or five hours a week. But I love this concept of, of leveraging it for uh, developers. Um, I, I interviewed uh, a gentleman yesterday for the podcast that's coming up upcoming, and we talked about the, the developer experience. And we've all yes. talked about uh, customer experience, employee experience, but developer experience and how tools like AI can automate some of these things and make the developer's life easier so that they're more focused on the things that are that are vitally important to the end product. Are you seeing yeah. uh, those results? Uh, also, you mentioned quality, but are you seeing that they're able to focus more on some of these other tasks now?
0: I don't think we have been able to fully realize its potential yet. I okay. think it's just t- time will tell. I feel yeah. pretty darn confident by the end of this year, we will start realizing that. I yeah. think uh, one of the problems, like again, being our company's two, almost two years old and we've really only had a, a team for a year other than myself yeah. and another person. And so what we're, we're rolling out with like process-wise and such, I think that's the stuff that developers don't like doing. And that's where I want us to focus yes. productivity gains. So yeah. while yeah. I think it's really interesting, like the the coding side and, and productivity games from, from writing code, I think there's definitely use cases there and actually i'll give you a real world example here in a second um i think we can't forget in the realm of developer experience what's all the other stuff that takes one or two hours a day documentation you know yeah. making sure your statuses are in the right. every
1: developer loves documentation and I love it it's fantastic
0: <laughs> and it's something i i get really excited about and we're doing this um more on the customer front because like APIs we develop aren't our APIs. It's our customer's product. Right. Yeah. Um, but talk about developer experience right now, developers have to go to a, a website um, and look at the API. And you guys probably talked about this in the last podcast, but mm-hmm. look at the API documentation, understand what every field is doing yada, yada, yada. There yeah. need to be tools in place where I say, I'm trying to connect the uh, this, thing Definitely. here to that thing there they both have apis write the code to do it you know yeah. and and it gets you 70% of the way there and and, and right. i and i also think it's such an important point for people to realize don't think about these tools as replacements think of them think of them as augmentation and what i mean yeah. by that is yeah. if you can get even 50% of the way of where you need to go as a developer by using a tool yeah wow that's Absolutely. massive <laughs> you yes. know yes um, yes
1: yeah, I, I think I think that's great, and I'll just uh, I'll give a shout out to Octeto, O K T E T O. It's a developer experience platform, and that's uh, right. I, I I interviewed the CEO uh, yesterday, Ramiro. Uh, so it, I I love this because you know my background is what you talked about COBOL in your opening. Uh, I was a COBOL <laughs> programmer. That's what I did, man. Uh, love it. Uh, we didn't call ourselves developers or engineers then. We called ourselves programmers. Yeah um, but you know I got this warm spot in my heart for the development team uh, and, and it's about time that we invested uh, in tools for them now I want to go back to uh, another comment that you made as you were on a on a panel uh, and and I know you probably love that I keep bringing this back up again every oh, time no. you and I talk but I love it. Um, we were you were on a panel at the Indiana CIO Network, a gathering of CIOs, CTOs, and, and other technology leaders, and you said something that really caught my attention, and it was basically a message for the coding academies that are that are doing a fantastic job of bringing uh, coders to the marketplace, but you talked about the future. Uh, uh, and what they need to be paying attention to. Can you share that message and elaborate a little bit for us?
0: Yes, I can. So I have, there there are two parts to this one. One's sort of an immediate and the other one's a little bit longer term. And the first one is, and I don't think I said this in in, in that particular interview, but the first one is we've got to start diversifying the content for students coming out of coding academies. I, I interview so many people from coding academies and I cannot tell you how many are taught react JS, all of them. And that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Please let's start teaching computer science fundamentals, like, oh, yeah. Data structures, yeah. algorithms, and please let's start teaching data. Yeah. And when you start seeing these trends in AI, like we're talking about, and this will segue into the part two of this yeah. is we need more people that understand how data works, how data is stored, um, how data is yeah. processed, how data is structured, and that's a massive gap. And I've seen that for five, six, seven years for sure. And um, so I'm, I'm hoping that we start seeing that gap get filled because it's a big opportunity not just for the coding academies, but for the people that are going through those academies and looking for the job opportunities. That's a big gap. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's that, so. So that's that's step one. Step two is. What is going to happen with software engineering jobs? So the yes. hypothesis yes. in in you know like any intelligent person, uh, I keep changing my perspective on this. <laughs> so we'll see well, if I'm how how you accurate.
1: Information. You're a large <laughs> language model, and you're learning from <laughs> the data.
0: <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, uh, but but the question comes up frequently. What's going to happen to software engineers? Will their job yep. be replaced? And if they're not going to replace, what's going to happen? And I foresee what, what's going to happen is things that are like higher level programming. Let's, and, and that that's not a, that's not a judgment on whether it's a good or a bad. That's like right, higher right. level, like, for, okay, right? Like, so developing uh, frameworks for an interface, let's say you're building a web application and you need some scaffolding for code. That's going to be automated. You're going to talk to an LLM or you're going to, or, um, and you can actually do this today. There's some tools, rudimentary, fundamental tools, but there are tools where you can provide it a Figma design and it will go write the code for you. Yeah. There's going to be more and more of that. So what does that mean? Well, those are the things typically we assign to the more junior engineers. Yeah. So that means you're going to have to have, the the folks that are more specialized or that have the more in-depth knowledge of the technology like how data works mm-hmm. um, are going to be the more sought after individuals, yeah. just a hypothesis, but yeah. that I, 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 I see us going that direction. And yeah. the sophistication of technology is gonna require when we're working with LLMs or not just LLMs, but uh, I will use artificial intelligence, as the broad umbrella or any more people that know how to train the LLMs, mm-hmm. to train the technology yeah. To do what we want it to do versus smashing keys on a keyboard and, right. and typing out, you know, discrete lines of code. Yeah. I,
1: I had a conversation the other day with John Light, uh, the CEO of Sabertooth uh, out of out of the Houston area. And uh, he was talking about, and I, I, I kind of agree with this as well, is that in addition to uh, the points that you just made, that, that we need people to understand more about the data, more about the large language models that we're gonna have um, uh, almost a verticalization or a specialization, uh, you're not gonna be able as a developer float between retail and manufacturing, manufacturing and healthcare, healthcare in and, and mm-hmm. another industry. You're gonna to have to have so much domain knowledge mm-hmm. uh, to, to marry with the de- because data, because data behaves differently in different domains. Right. Yeah, that's right. And so you're going to have to have that as well. Um, Are you are you seeing that as a as a possible trend as well? Um, You know, I.
0: To play devil's advocate on that, Mm -hmm. uh, I would be interested to see. If the models that we are creating will become those domain experts. Ah, ah, there you so go. So you don't have. There so, in, and so, in fact, it would be the opposite. Generalists of the domain are now have more access to opportunity because we're augmented with those those yeah. experts. Yeah. Interesting. I, we'll see.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I feel like I got, I got a product company here. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Jake, I want you to uh, I want you to get out your crystal ball here, uh, okay. and I'm I'm going to ask you to predict the future uh, in two different uh, timeframes. So uh, we're sitting here as you and I are talking. It's, it's August uh, 2023. What are you think we're going to be seeing out of these LLMs and the incorporation of them? into our businesses, what do you see? think we're going to see in the next few months? Next, call it six months. Um, and then the yeah. follow-up to that would be, uh, how, about, uh, how about a year or two down the road? So six months and then a year or two down the road.
0: Yeah, I love it. So I think the next three to six months, what we are going to see are real-world practical applications of LLMs there's been so much experimentation. And I, you know, part of my job is I I see startup ideas and concepts come across my desk every single day. And 95% in the past three months have been with LLMs. And we're going to see what's working and what's not. So just like I talked about earlier, like, I had a prediction two months ago about what my company was going to do. Turns out it's not exactly what I thought it was going to (laughs) do. We'll get there. But everyone's going to start having those realizations about what's working for them and what's not as an organization. I think more broadly speaking, we're going to see more security and privacy uh, uh, tools that are empowered by, by AI. And I don't just mean like... For you know, network monitoring or intrusion detection, I mean, tools that are helping us be smart about privacy information and IP yeah. going into LLMs and that sort of thing. Um, I think that is going to open the door majorly for big corporations to start being comfortable opening up opportunity to other empo- to their employee base. Yeah. Where then we'll get to see what's the next three months after what that it can really do. Yeah. What yeah. it can really do in those bigger organizations. So yeah. that's kind of how I see this this. Progressing. Uh, do you want me to jump into my my long term two? Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. My my I'm gonna say my three to four year prediction okay. is the human computer interaction that you and I know today that is mouse and keyboard primarily, some voice. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, is going to be displaced by some percentage. I'm gonna make one up. Let's say thirty or forty okay. percent by pure human to digital human interaction. And so I'm not going to be typing. I'm not going to be using my mouse to point and click. I'm not going to write code. I'm going to say, hey, computer, or hey, Paula, I'm trying to figure out X, Y, and Z of this information in this file. Can you give me the forecast of blah, blah, blah? Yes, I can do that. Here is the result. Uh that is where I think we are going. And I will think it is a big mess or a big miss on our part as humans and technologists and innovationists. If we don't do that.
1: Yeah. I, I, I look forward to that day in some ways. Uh, And in other ways I'm like, Oh my God, is the person sitting next to me on the plane going to be talking to their AI uh, (laughs) model uh, while we're trying to fly. And it's like, Oh no, no, no. Uh, But no, I, I, I love those, predictions, Jake, and uh, would love to have you back um, maybe the middle of next year or something. And let's let's uh, carve that up and say, well, how did it, where are we in that? Right? Because that's the beauty of it is it is emerging and it is changing over time. Jake, I got to thank you so much for being on Status Go. I, I learn so much every time you and I talk, I enjoy our conversations. I am already looking forward to the next time we get a chat. So thank you for carving out time for us today.
0: Absolutely. And and the same to you. I always enjoy our conversations. I appreciate it.
1: To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, visit intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. And if you're interested in continuing this discussion, look for the Status Go podcast group on LinkedIn. Uh, We'll get a dialogue going about AI and uh, where you're using it in your organization. This is Jeff Tunn for Jake Miller. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find InterVision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.